there's basically three aspects when it comes to content creation. Mm. One of them is, do you see it as a hobby? Mm. If it's a hobby, do you see it as a passion? If you like to do it, do you like to see it as a money-making business? Mm. The best is that if you can satisfy all three criteria, but that, that is where you know there's a business so you can eventually convert into your full-time career. Yep. If you just want to put it as a hobby, just put up content. Then you have no expectations. <laughs> yeah, correct. Having no expectations is good so because you're not so stressed out. Yeah, stressed out. I need to make money, make money, make money. Why? No views, no views, no views. You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time, which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast. So today we have a returning guest, Melvin Tan, who is a tech YouTuber at Real Mail Tan. Welcome back, Melvin. Hello, thank you for coming back. So today we're going to talk about the new topic. Actually, not really a new topic. It's just an upgraded topic since I talked about it. So this year is about monetization for YouTube in 2023. Yeah, actually, I wanted to get you back because it's something that I guess, you know, some of my friends have been talking about. Is being a YouTuber still worth it in 2023? And I think we've seen quite a lot of changes, not just in the YouTube landscape, but I say the social media landscape. How you monetize TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube has changed. And even within the TikTok realm, I think what we've seen, not just in Singapore, but globally, is that the views have gone down. And this could sort of deter someone from pursuing TikTok content creator kind of career full-time. And also we're seeing that competitiveness because of TikTok. Then IG came out with IG Reels and YouTube Shorts. Social media platforms are prioritizing that vertical short-form format compared to the, the typical YouTube videos that you've done, which is anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. Now there's like one-minute videos that kind of do well with YouTube Shorts, IG Reels. What are the changes that you've seen from your perspective as a YouTuber? Now it's a lot of combination of this short and form content. Mm. So because like what you say with the growth of YouTube Shorts, IG Reels, TikTok, the attention span for people is becoming shorter and shorter. Mm. Even right now with YouTube Shorts, you can put up to maximum one minute. Mm-hmm. But I don't even think people watch out one minute. Mm, you think so? Based on, let's say, the YouTube Shorts that you put out, yeah. what's the average watch time? Probably about 20-30 seconds, mm-hmm. maybe less than that. Which is not bad, actually. Yeah, depends on what kind of topic you put up also. Mm. I think it's also based on the basis of whether is it just purely talking mm-hmm. or is it just purely B-roll montage. Mm. So for me, I'm trying YouTube Shorts right now. I put up my Shorts, IG Reels, and TikTok. Mm. YouTube Shorts still give me the best kind of attention span and watch time. Mm-hmm. So I'm a mix of both talking head as well as videos. Mm-hmm. I still realize that talking head videos do much better than purely montage videos because for my instance, I think people like to see a face. Mm-hmm. They like to see people talking, engaging them yep. rather than just walking through, seeing what's been done, what you can talk about. It feels like more friendly face-to-face. More personable. Yeah, correct, correct. I think so as well because like what I've seen on TikTok at least the videos that are being prioritized are a lot of talking headshots. The videos that are on the feed tend to be jam-packed with a lot of like, information. They're talking about mental health. It's really like a talking head who's talking about, these are the top three tips for how you can improve your mental health in 2023, that kind of thing. And it's just a talking head. No B-rolls most of the time. 
if you want to do talking videos, it's very important that first thing your audio definitely have sounds great. Mm-hmm. So working, trying to work on that right now to learn how to do better audio. Mm. And the things that you say has to be super fast, super crispy, as straight a point as possible mm. because you don't have much time to capture the viewer span. Mm. Especially now, people who use these shorts IG views are your Gen Z people or even a Gen Alpha or Gen whatever you call them there next time. <laughs> Maybe next time, your yeah, attention span only lasts like one, two seconds. <laughs> The thing is that the platforms are making use of this. Mm. It's a bit bad to say that these people have some form of ADHD, but I feel that they do because they can't really sit down and know, like, oh, I need to scroll, I need to scroll, I need to scroll, I need to scroll. Mm. At least for us, I still can watch some long-form videos, even though I also jump. 10-minute mm-hmm. videos, I'm not going to listen to the guy speak for 10 minutes unless he's damn good at talking. Yes, or very engaging. Yeah. Going back to how easy it is to monetize, because let's say we are looking at somebody who is looking to create content. And there are a lot of people who have done that, you know, individuals who have done that on their own. Let's say brands also are starting their own YouTube channels or social media accounts. All, everybody is sort of more adept with creating content. And certainly you're seeing a lot of more creators in the space. So do you see that it's actually more difficult to monetize now? What's your thoughts on it, given that you've been in this for four years? It depends on which angle you're coming from. So there's three ways to do it. Either you do focus on just purely long-form videos, or you do purely shorts, or you combine both of them. If you guys know, the original way to get monetized on YouTube is to join the YPP, the YouTube Partner Program. Yes, which you are on. Yeah, you need 4,000 watch hours Mm. and 1K subscribers. So for the benefit of the audience, from the time you started to the time you got enrolled into the YouTube Partner Program when they actually got you to go on to the YouTube Partner Program, how long did it take you? I achieved my 4K hours first. Mm-hmm. because I had this one or two super well-doing videos. 4,000 hours. Yeah. And is that typical? It depends on kind of content you put, of course. Mm. You know, YouTube is very dependent on views, mm-hmm. satisfaction. And how was, was the satisfaction metric? When it first started, YouTube was just purely on views. Mm. So everyone could spam views. Mm-hmm. But now the AI becomes so smart. They know that every account is a unique viewer. You cannot spam watch slacks anymore. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to be a single unique viewer to get a view. I think it counts a view for every 5 to 10 seconds that you watch. Mm-hmm. So I need to confirm with that. I think people can watch 5 to 10 seconds these days. La. After that, YouTube is okay with this thing called a satisfaction survey. They have this survey right now. They ask you questions. Maybe you've seen it. How do you rate this video? Do you feel satisfied after watching this video? Mm-hmm. Do you recommend this video to your friends? Mm-hmm. So from there, they get data the AI will decide whether this channel is worth pushing. Is it quality? Yeah, correct. Is it worth to show to more people? Mm. Then, of course, they also evolved this thing called watch time. Mm -hmm. The longer you watch, the happier the AI algorithm is, the more that they feel they want to push this channel out. Mm -hmm. Because it shows that, one, content is really good. I can watch. Engaging enough. Yeah, it's like watching Netflix. I can watch it for 5-10 hours without leaving the channel. Second is ads. Companies can put out more ads or this longer for videos because they feel that, oh, if I'm going to put like two, three ads, people are going to watch at least 10 minutes. Mm. I feel happy. I guess that's one of the things, right? Because previously, people who are already monetizing their videos, then they'll think about where to insert ads in their videos. There's a balance of how many ads they insert and to which point it turns off the viewer. But now with YouTube Shorts, is there that thing about inserting ads? Yeah, so there is no exactly ads that we see on Shorts because mm. there's only one minute. doesn't make sense to have ads on the video because it just disrupts the entire flow on the video. Mm. Before, YouTube came up with this called the YouTube Ads Short Form. YouTube Ads Short Form. Yeah. Since February 1st, 2023, mm-hmm. you can have ads on your YouTube Shorts. Mm. You can monetize your YouTube Shorts. Last time before that, there was this thing called the Shorts Creator Fund mm-hmm. where there's this small pool of money and it's get distributed among all of these shorts creators. I think it's not in Singapore. It's only in the US because it was a trying out stage. Mm. But ever since ads, you can monetize your ads. In my opinion, 
is a lot harder to monetize ads purely because according to the numbers, you need 10 million views Mm-hmm. and 1k subscribers in a matter of 90 days mm. that is 3 months to get 10 million views is that incremental let's say somebody like you you already have 4k subs so are they talking about increasing by 1k subs in 90 days or if you already have more than 1k so I think the 1k subs is unique it mm. doesn't matter when you get 1k I think it's that 10 million views that is much harder to get in 90 days so for example like last time the 4k watch hours is in within 1 year but it doesn't mean that it's 1st January up to 31st December mm-hmm. is when you start your channel. 365 days. Correct. So if for example today is, what's the day today? <laughs> 9th of March. Okay. Today your first video 9th of March. Mm. You have up to 8th of March 2024 to get the 4K hours. Mm. If not, you reset. Then you have to get 9th March 2024 up to 8th March 2025 to get the 4K hours. So you're saying the new requirements, the race to get to that benchmark is harder. Yeah, but I don't know. You could make super good shots. Maybe 10 million shots is not difficult mm. because you can see that you can easily get that such numbers of TikTok and IG views. Mm. So maybe people see that, oh, every shot can get me at least 100k views, 100k eyeballs. Mm. That only require me another 100 videos, 100 shots. Yes. Yeah, you just spam like maybe three, four shots a day. Wow, that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's possible for some people who just want to do a lot of shots. Mm. Going to that also, I think we can combine the long form as well as shopping content. Mm-hmm. I'm not very sure because there's no official numbers, official data on YouTube or that. But I believe you can combine the numbers to get to join the YPP. It's either you hit the 4K mm-hmm. hours first or you get the 10 million views first. Mm. But the 1K subscribers is still very unique. So it doesn't really matter. Got it. Now that you've joined the YouTube Partner Program, do you find that there's any change in terms of how much you make from YouTube in 2022 in the last year versus from the time you started? I believe there was a notion saying that money made for ads these days are much lower than last time. Mm, really depends on the, the ad budgets these days, right? And I think that just in general, because of the economy and because the companies are pulling back on budgets and these are the guys who are spending money on marketing, right? So mm. if they're pulling back on budgets, then obviously it is a trickle-down effect where, you know, they spend less on marketing budget, they'll spend less on YouTube ads, for example. I still see, for example, Apple ads mm. still look super, super glamorous, super, super nice. Mm-hmm. So maybe we know they are probably spending more money to put back onto their videos mm. rather than putting back for the creators. But anyway, mm. it doesn't really matter because you shouldn't really rely on YouTube ads to make money because it's very watch time and view time dependent. The difference between the US market versus the Singaporean market. How viable is it to be a content creator in Singapore? Because a lot of content creators locally are kind of looking at the US content creators as benchmarks, right? People like to talk about Mr. Beast and how much he's making how much he's devoting back to his videos. It's an entire business by itself and he employs like a whole bunch of people. Clearly, there's a lot of revenue from YouTube, maybe also from sponsorships, but he's able to also like employ a whole army of people to produce content. That is a quite a different situation in Singapore where let's say if one was reliant on ad revenue, companies who are looking to spend just for the Singapore market, they don't dedicate that much budget to the, just the Singapore market. I myself, I'm also a victim of that. Mm-hmm. I like to look at the giant YouTubers, for, for example, your MKBHD, mm-hmm. your Linus Tech Tips. Mm-hmm. These are the OG but super powerful, super successful creators in the US. So they are millions of subscribers. And do you have a benchmark of like how much they actually make? Let's just say they have 1 million views per mm-hmm. video. So you make money every 1,000 views. US market tech content, maybe 6, 7 US dollars. They're like 6K per video. Mm. And that's nothing to them because the AdSense to them is a very small amount of money. Sponsorships are the one that they go for. Mm. They work with a lot of brands, a lot of listing, a lot of merchandise. 
There's a reason why they can hire 40, 50 people to work on their videos. Yep. Just purely for content creation. Yeah, because sometimes when I look at it, I mean, these YouTube channels, right, they themselves are operating as businesses. I saw a news on Mr. Beast, which I think was Q4 last year, where he was basically seeking a 1.5 billion valuation for his group of YouTube channels alone. And if you think about it, that is a big milestone for sort of like influencer-led businesses. It is basically a unicorn company, if you will. I mean, it's like a 1.5B valuation is raising $150 million for it. And that's very different from what we first started off with, where a lot of people were individual content creators. Like he kind of grew from being an individual content creator to building like an entire business that's now a unicorn. That is very, very impressive. Let's talk about something we're familiar with. It's called NAS Academy, NAS mm-hmm. IO. So, so went from being a content creator to mm. now having different aspects of business. Yep. He has company experiences, events management, he sells merch, he teaches courses, he provides branding marketing. Mm-hmm. So he's not just a content creator company right now. He has right. many different aspects. Yes. Comparing that to Mr. Beast, who only has one way to make money, people like Nasaya Nas IO has four or five ways to make money. Actually, I'd like to differ. Mr. Beast has grown quite a bit and he doesn't just make money from videos because now he actually has a food delivery business called Mr. Beast Burgers. It's still tied to his brand. It's still tied to his brand. Yeah, it's not like he's saying that, oh, tomorrow I want to do things like I want to work with companies, I want to do branding for them. Mm. Yeah, he's not providing external service like that. Right. It's still something that's sort of like his merchandise based mm. to his Mr. Beast brand. That to me is super, super impressive. Mm, Nobody has reached his line or level. Even people like PewDiePie, he worked with Disney for a while. Mm-hmm. He got flagged. He got pulled out. Mm. I don't want to see doing right now. I don't follow him. He's just happily probably married to his wife in Japan. Japan. Yeah. (laughs) We see these role models or people that we aspire to in the US. But how about for the Singapore market? Because the budgets for Singapore is just slower. Of course, we have people like the Jianhao, defunct Ryan Stewart, NOC. Oh, he's focusing on renovations now. Yeah. Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Syria has gone to becoming a full-time employee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they do rely on sponsorship as well sponsorships and a lot of free stuff to get on. Mm. I myself, I also have because I work with... You have with, a lot of free stuff? No, no, no. I try to get money mm. because you can't sell your free stuff, especially motherboards and graphic cards. Mm. You can, but no one's going to buy from you. So tell us about experience. So you get free stuff. I get on loan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I try to make them nice and then I get to keep some of them. Mm-hmm. What kinds of free stuff do you get? It's not just like hoodies or caps, right? Motherboards. Things that actually have a high value. Right. There's one thing I'd like to go for entire graphic card or entire mm-hmm. computer that'd be one of the best mm-hmm. but right now I think motherboards are going up because motherboards itself are at least a thousand dollars these days so it's a good thing to keep but I feel better to receive money from them mm. even though we know that it's harder for them to part with money than with parts <laughs> because all of this is considered marketing collateral they can easily give up because it's a review copy mm-hmm. but money they have to write a new report tell the company tell the HQ like why do they need to give money to this guy mm. so there's a lot more paperwork for them I understand because coming from them, it's a lot harder to talk about marketing budget mm. rather than marketing collateral. Talking about Singapore context, we rely a lot on sponsorships, a lot of branding. So you're saying there needs to be some relevance. So when one is creating content, you need to be able to see how you can sell something. Yeah, because they are influencers. Mm. I, I don't like to use the word influencer mm. because you don't want to influence people, but you do it blankly. You are sort of influencing someone to buy something. Mm-hmm. You are the face, you have the product, in fact, right now, you are seen more as a face of the product than the product itself. Right. They rely on a lot of these sponsorships, a lot of brand marketing. So that's why, for example, like Tianhao has multiple influencers slash CCs to help him get into business. Mm-hmm. Some of them also eventually start their own companies, yep. but they also do the same things. Mm. Multi-channel network, if you put it away. Right. Let's say for somebody who's looking to create content, when you first enter it, you might think that, okay, I like to create content. But if one were to think about truly monetizing and try and make a career out of it, where whatever you make more than covers your living expenses... 
it needs to be like a concerted effort to think about, okay, these are the brands that I want to bring on and this is how I would like integrate these into my content. There's basically three aspects when it comes to content creation. Mm. One of them is, do you see it as a hobby? Mm. If it's a hobby, do you see it as a passion? If you like to do it, do you like to see it as a money-making business? Mm. The best is that if you can satisfy all three criteria, but then that is where you know there's a business so you can eventually convert into your full-time career. Yep. If you just want to put it as a hobby, just put up content. Then you have no expectations. <laughs> yeah, correct. Having no expectations is good so because you're not so stressed out. Yeah, stressed out. I need to make money, make money, make money. Why? No views, no views, no views. <laughs> From there, maybe, oh, I just put up content I like. Mm-hmm. I get the eyeballs. I need to change my mindset because suddenly I'm getting money. Mm. I suddenly see that this content is doing better than my full-time job. Mm. Is this the point where I want to decide I want to become a full-time businessman, a full-time content creator. Mm. I think that's what I need to have. So where are you on that journey? Yeah, right now I'm trying to change my mindset a bit because I'm so fixated on trying to get views. But I should be more focused on creating better content so that if the content works, I know I can get the views. Then brands will eventually see I can maybe tell myself I reach a mm-hmm. point where I know I can cover the full-time business. Mm. Changing from the hobbyist mindset to a businessman mindset is also very different. Mm-hmm. Because right now, when your hobbies, you're like, okay, I just put content when I want. Yep. Consistency is so important, but okay, nah, today I tie, I don't put. Mm. Tomorrow I don't feel anything, I don't put. Mm. But if you do that, you'll never reach your direction, never reach your angle. It's basically like a certain discipline to put Correct. out content consistently at a yes. certain quality that you're proud of. Correct. And it's a whole process of learning and relearning. Mm-hmm. If you don't learn, if you don't try to upgrade your skills, your content will always be where you were when you first started. Mm. Then when you suddenly progress to become a businessman, you're thinking like, oh, I need a team right now. Right. I need to change. I cannot be doing everything myself. I have to segregate gift tasks to these people. Mm. I know, I'm not sure sure whether their content can be as great as mine. But you have to tell yourself that you can't be doing everything. Right now, you are the CEO. You mm-hmm. can't be doing what you were doing when you were first started. So you have to be able to let go and trust these people that you hired. Now we're also back to being a businessman. Can your content, can you make enough money to actually satisfy these people? For example, you have a team of 10. Yep. Can your content bring you enough money to... Make it viable, right? Like pay the salaries correct. of 10 people. Correct, correct. Mm. When I see people like Linus and people like Tian Hao, they have 60, 70 employees. Mm. Yeah, I guess they're doing something really great to keep these people around. Mm-hmm. But of course, we know that they also hire a lot of interns. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we don't know about that. But you mentioned the change in mindset. Starting from a hobbyist to thinking about it from a business standpoint. What would you now tell your younger self when you first started doing YouTube four years ago? It's very important. You have to learn a lot of stuff. Nothing is going to come up for you from the mm. sky. So you have to learn your editing, mm-hmm. your creation. You don't need to go to school. I heard people tell me that schools don't teach you much thing anyway. I think the education system is certainly trying to change. When I speak to my secondary school, like a lot of their presentations now is on creating videos, like short form videos. Yeah, yeah. So that's changed now. But back to our time, no, I wouldn't say not go to school as in not go for your secondary school or your JC <laughs> or polytechnic. Like not go to content creation school. Don't purposely enroll yourself in film school. Oh, I see, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Maybe it works. I've never mm-hmm. been there. Now YouTube is a school. Mm-hmm. You can learn more from there mm-hmm. rather than just going for film school. Or if you want a faster way out, pay for a course. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of YouTube gurus out there actually who are good. Not just YouTube, editing gurus, content creation gurus. Mm-hmm. Some people are legit. So mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about not wasting your money and everything. Mm. it's a lot of upgrading a lot of upskilling yep. nothing is going to come easy for you so mm. YouTube is a very very long process even right now it's about I think almost 20 years old yes. it's still constantly changing 
we've seen like three, four variations of the algorithm change. Three, four in the last 20 years. Yeah, I think it's more than that. Views mm. to satisfaction to watch time. Yeah. What's things going to be next? I don't know. Maybe people like chat GPT. Maybe AI will become so smart right now that next time you don't even need to do much because the AI can just do for you. Mm-hmm. It's all AI driven based content. Yeah. But you still have to learn because the AI is still very primitive. Mm. You, you have to do more sort of work. So it's a lot of upskilling, a lot of upgrading. And don't be afraid to work with people. Mm-hmm. Don't be so stuck on I need to create content myself. Mm. Yeah, work with people, learn from people. Don't be so hard on yourself when you don't get the views. I'm still not getting views here. <laughs> not much as I want to, but it's a very long process. And I don't know how it works for other things like TikTok and IG views. Mm-hmm. Because TikTok, maybe you can be a sensation. Mm-hmm. Then we can be a zero next day. Yep. I feel YouTube at least gives you some form of face. Mm-hmm. Your content don't do well, but your collection is still there so strong that people know who you are. Right. Maybe your one video don't work, but your next one can still work very well. You have time because it's doing long-form content mm-hmm. to grow. So for example, my current video, I just put up, I think, a few years ago. Yep. It's slow. A Liany one. Yeah, correct. The PC build. Mm-hmm. But I know that you'll grow because mm-hmm. I can see it's growing. So there are some content which they don't give you the views instantly, mm-hmm. but it takes like time to grow. Mm-hmm. And long-form content, maybe sometimes that's the way. I'm not sure about TikTok and IG because... If you scroll, you don't see, no one's going to care. And I don't know how the algorithm actually pushes up for this kind of content. First of all, you're very humble because I think that you certainly have had some very successful videos that are like six-digit views. And I think that you actually managed to get brands to work with you from quite an early stage. So there's a lot of small wins along the way. Yeah. Certainly in terms of, you know, where you can be at, you know, exciting to think about, you know, let's say if you start engaging with more international brands. If that happens, then, you know, would you quit your day job? Yeah, if the money comes in, why not? Mm. I mean, if I can get the money to sustain my life. But also bearing in mind that usually for content creators, the revenue is quite lumpy. I wouldn't say if you can cover my current salary or expenses, but more, I feel more happy doing my own content mm-hmm. rather than doing other people's content. Mm. Then also feel like, oh, this actually is a good business to run to. Mm-hmm. Is this a time to change? Mm. Maybe I shouldn't ask myself, I should ask people mm-hmm. to give me more opinions. Mm. I'm actually going to start to do mobile phone content because I'm actually trying to work with Samsung. Mm-hmm. Probably that kind of content will get me more views rather mm-hmm. than just working on motherboards and graphic cards because mm-hmm. everyone knows Samsung, everyone wants to buy a phone. Mm-hmm. That works. Yeah, I hopefully can get the views. Yeah, certainly more mainstream because the content that you've been focusing on is very, very niche and I think you go very deep into the topic. But then for the average person, you know, not everybody buys gaming PCs. But the people who are into gaming PCs love your content. And I can tell from like, let's say the comments on your YouTube videos, right? Where it's very pointed questions. Like they know their stuff. And that's why they're asking such questions. But then to the uninitiated, like the rest of us, we're like, oh no, we do not know the difference between this graphics card and the other one. We have no idea what you're talking about with regards to like good wiring. But let's say if you expand to phones, on the upside, it is more mainstream, but then maybe on the downside, a lot of people are reviewing phones. Let's talk about the PC first. Sometimes they ask me questions, I admit I don't have an answer because they do ask me very, very complicated questions sometimes. Mm. They probably ask me like, well, how is this better? How is this better? I can give them some ideas, but if they're talking about specific numbers, mm. I just tell them I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, maybe someone will get your answer. Mm. Talking about phones also, there's a lot of phone channels out there, yes. but I don't think there are many in Singapore yet. Mm. Talking about tech content, I feel that there's a certain expectation, like for example, to aesthetics, to content, how much information you want to deliver. Mm. Because people feel that if you're a tech content creator, you should know your stuff. Everything should look very nice. I see a lot of other American-based, smaller phone review channels. Mm-hmm. They have very nice design aesthetics. Mm. Yeah, your bureaus are so awesome. They go outside and tick. Yep. I say like, oh, how good is this? Blah, 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 blah. Your Snapdragon Exynos processor. Like, do I really care about this stuff? 
I think people really care most is this is about the camera on your phone. Mm, yes. So for example, current S23 Ultra has five cameras. And a 200 megapixels. <laughs> yeah. I purposely tried the 200 megapixel camera myself. Mm-hmm. It takes five seconds to render. Yeah, correct. Every file is 45 megabytes. Mm. Just a photo, not video. Uh. Mm. If I really get the kind of phone to work with, kind of the kind of devices, I think it's going to be very exciting. Mm-hmm. Whoever's listening right now, maybe <laughs> you want to give me some advice on how to actually go doing a full mm-hmm. review you can let me know it's a lot of testing process right now because I'm doing like you said a lot of tech content a lot of PC content yep. how would audience react to my phone content yep. that's a gamble I have to take mm. so for let's say for somebody who's looking to start creating content in 2023 because your perspective is it's never too late to start but always be learning about how to improve your content and to make sure there's a certain quality knowledge value in terms of what you put across but what would be your three tips that you would say like off the top of your mind to somebody who comes up to you and says that, hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing content in 2023. Like, what do you recommend? First thing you ask yourself is, are you a hobbyist or are you looking to do business? Mm, so expectations. Correct. Your first, I don't know how many content won't be super powerful. Mm-hmm. You won't get your eyeballs. Mm. And the second thing is, you got to choose what kind of content you want to do, mm-hmm. short or long. Mm. So if you're doing short, you have more options. If you're doing long, there's only one or two, maybe YouTube or Twitch. Yep. If you are just want to do like, you know, picture-based content, short content, yeah, maybe if you want to do. Mm-hmm. For number three is early, but it's good to know what kind of niche you're going to go into. Mm-hmm. It depends on you. If you are still like want to play around with experimentation stage, I think it's fine. But eventually, you need to know what kind of content you really want to drive at. Mm. Because if you have different niches at different days, the algorithm is not going to work for you. Mm. People don't know who you are. Brands don't know who you are. It's a very directed process. One, long or short. Two, the platform that you want to choose. And three, the kind of content you want to drive. Mm, Yeah, I think that's a very good way to think about it. It's not even a typical advice of like, oh, it's not too late to join. And for people who want to find out more about you, the videos you do, or if they want to talk to you about how to create phone content, or if Samsung that's listening to this, if you want to reach out to him, where can they find you? My name is Melvin, but you can find me at Real Melton. So it's R-E-A-L-M-E-L-T-A-N. You can send me an email at therealmelton at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll link this. You can just drop me messages on my YouTube, Facebook or whatever. I'll be there to lie to you or you guys want to give me stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Okay, cool. It's so good to see you and bring you on again. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcasts at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at misfitfi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from MediaCorp and recorded at Skate Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time.